our job and my job in Poderos has to be risky and and it risks my life and because there are some powerful groups that do not like uh, for girls to know their rights. Hey everyone, this is your host, Samantha Williams, and you're listening to Inside Global Girls Education. Today's conversation is on the critical topic of ensuring that girls receive safe and comprehensive sexual and reproductive health education. Because sex is treated as such a taboo subject, sexual education is often made taboo as well. Things that you would think are benign become much more charged when people hold beliefs about sexual education, such as that it promotes sex or sexuality. It's a difficult topic to discuss at home, which means that educators often find themselves needing to provide additional support and information to young people. However, many schools don't cover these topics, and where it is covered, the quality and thoroughness can vary dramatically. In many places, parents can even opt out of having their children attend sexual education classes altogether. Considering all of this, I am very excited to talk with Mariana Sanz de Santa Maria, who founded a sexual health organization in Colombia that is doing amazing things with girls and their families. Mariana, thank you so much for making time to join us today and for helping us better understand how you've been able to make so much great progress on this important topic. Samantha, thank you. Thank you very much for inviting me to this space and this time and to talk about what it is not being talked about in many places like in Colombia. So maybe let's start there. Um, I know that your organization does a lot of work and a lot of different things with girls um, across Colombia. So maybe let's start with you telling us a bit more about Poderosas. Poderosas is a comprehensive sexual education project to reinforce the power of decision of young men and women in the most vulnerable communities in Colombia. And we do it through women's circles and men's circles to speak and to talk about things that are not being talked about. Our goal is to have a new generation with a free and informed power of decision over their bodies, their sexuality, and their life. Awesome. So how did you get started? I am a lawyer. I studied law in, in Bogota, Colombia. And, uh, but I've been a passionate about education's, education since, ever since I, I remember. And uh, I, I entered and I applied to Enseña por Colombia, that is part of the Teach for All network. Teach for Colombia, and I was uh, assigned to live in an island in a town in south of Cartagena. Uh, this is a place, a town very much uh, abandoned by the state and by the government. Uh, it has no basic services, public services, has no aqueduct, no, no sewage system, no health center whatsoever. And the, the general social and economic uh, conditions are very, very, very precarious. And there I was a teacher of about 370 students in the only public school there was. Uh, and there still is. And I was a teacher, uh, English teacher and social studies and arts and physical education and everything that was needed. 
but I I realized uh, that many of my students didn't go to school when they had their period and that there was a lot of teenage pregnancies and it shocked me uh, not only the fact that there was a lot of, of teenage pregnancies and the absences because of the period uh, and the recurring and, and, and systematic cases of sexual violence and, and gender violence, what really shocked me was that nobody talked about it, that it was absolutely normal and naturalized. And when I talked with other uh, um, teachers in other places, in other communities similar to, to, to Aru, um, that's the town where I was where I was teaching. Uh, I realized that this was not something that happened only in Baru, but all across Colombia, and nobody talked about it. And nobody talked about it. Mm. So, what did this lead you to do? So, I decided uh, as a personal initiative to invite my students to a to an extracurricular space. To, to talk about what no one was talking about. And, and initially, only about menstrual education. And I wanted to show them how to use the menstrual cup because I, 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 I learned about the menstrual cup about when I was like 22 during my college years. And it changed my life. So I thought that maybe teaching them how to use that it might be a perfect excuse to talk about what nobody was talking about, their their body, their their um, rights, their how to have a decision and and an autonomy over their bodies. And the school it did not allow me to use the time of the school to do it, so I decided to do it extracurricular. Um, and at the beginning, about five, six, seven girls came, and then it started growing they they knew very little about their body and and they they were they were struck by a lot of 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 myths and and taboo i don't know how if you, if you say taboo to the things that you don't talk about um, and what was the most amazing and important thing was that this space that it started to be on saturdays in a community house that i that i asked borrowed uh, they started asking me to 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 continue these meetings. And they started demanding me that they wanted to talk about more things. So uh, I did not expect that to happen. And and this group that was at the beginning, seven girls, it started growing and growing and growing. And, and they called their their friends. And and I started to obsess, to get obsessed with sexual education with and with health and sexual and reproductive health and sexual and reproductive rights and to, to start building a project around uh, sexual education. And, and that's how Poderosas has started. And now Poderosas, three years later, is an is a, is a NGO. Uh, and we are working in many places around Colombia um, in this methodology of, of, of a woman's circle and, and extracurricular and not a class, not a workshop, but a, a space where uh, we can talk about these things um, privately and intimately and, and ritually and, and, and be able to, to, to get beyond those um, cultural barriers that do not allow us to talk about these things. Mm. 
when you're talking about the kinds of myths and questions that the girls come to the sessions with, uh, what are some of those? What are the things that they've been hearing that um, when you all get together that you have to sort of talk through and um, you know provide new information for them? These myths and these beliefs, it is very, very often a, when we have the knowledge and when we have the privilege of having the knowledge, we can see them as, as funny and as, as ridiculous. Um, mm. And we can even attack them as, oh, how ignorant. But then that would only be violent um, because mm -hmm. it is not their fault and it is not their family's fault and it's not their community's fault that beliefs and, and myths and, and cultural practices uh, that are violent have been instilled in their lives and in their education. It is the absence of education that has um, resulted on that. So for me, uh, being able to approach these myths and beliefs with absolute respect um, has been one of my biggest lessons hmm. and be able to show them uh, facts and information that can deconstruct these myths is a, a methodology and, 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 and a process that I continuously work on around the, the period, for example. When they have their, their, their period, they believe that uh, they cannot do a lot of things. Like, for example, they cannot cook some some foods because they get a uh, rotten uh, or or damaged for example they cannot get into a, a motorcycle because they can make the the tire flatten for example or uh, there are some big big beliefs that when they have their period and if they have sexual relationships um, or intercourse they can get the the man to to be a uh, sick uh, or even with cancer and and eventually these beliefs might appear that no no results but negative results that they, they do nothing but they do they limit the liberty and the and the freedom of of the women only because of being women then it results in in not going to school for example or not going to their daily activities or not doing some other things and and widening the the gender gap hmm. and when you're having these conversations how do the girls and the young women respond um, when you are talking about some of the things that they believed and getting them to consider you know that may not be true or have you thought about this how do they how do they respond to that by no means I I tell I tell them that that's wrong that that what they believe is wrong. That's I cannot do that, and we cannot do that as educators. What I do is I show them with arguments and with with uh, discussions and with with testimonies and with uh, facts. Uh, for example, how their menstrual cycle works, uh, and when they discover how the menstrual cycle works and how the the blood it's a blood full of mother's cells and and it's full of power that it's the only possible um 
a fluid that is able to make human life grow. So there is no way that that blood can make, for example, food rotten. But I don't say that. I, I allow them to discover that. And it takes time. And of course it takes time because it has taken time and years for them to believe otherwise. Um, from generation to generation. So um, what we do and in the, in the woman circles and our methodology is all based in, in, in discussion and in, in, in interactions and, and it's oral most of it. Um, because in, in, and that, and that's, that has a, a reason and is because in many of our communities, um, reading comprehension is not as, as well developed as it should. So oral uh, communication is, is prime, is primary, the, like the, the channel to communicate is orally and constructing and building a space that is safe for them to, to speak their minds and to question. And it's so beautiful for when they start questioning their own beliefs and not being me or any other mentor that guides these spaces to, to question them, but to, for them to do it by their own. So, and it's so beautiful when they do, when they, when they actually say, man, I, wow, maybe this is not the way I thought it was. And to question their beliefs, to question their mother's beliefs, to question their family's beliefs, and to question everything. And I think that is the goal of an educator. Yeah, I think that this speaks to something about just the, the presence of the space, um, creating a situation where girls can come together and can openly talk about what they what they believe, what they've heard, what they have questions about. Within that space, you can achieve all kinds of things because people have the room to figure things out and to question things that if they were doing it, you know, in school or, or maybe they're not comfortable talking to about it to people at home, um, but here they can. And so to me, that sounds like a big part of why what you're doing is is working. So that's that's awesome. Um, so you named uh, uh, some of the, the, the challenges, but in general, when it comes to sexual education and reproductive health uh, for young girls and women in Colombia, what are your biggest concerns? It concerns me that the fact that sexual education is so precarious and so absent, that their sexual education is TV, music, and, and other channels that might not be as, as uh, accurate and, and as healthy and as true. And the cost of that is huge. Um, well, teenage pregnancies uh, have a, a, a direct impact on poverty and on the impossibility to, to, to develop and to go out of po poverty and it widens uh, the, the social inequality and, and injustice and the gender gap, obviously. Uh, and well, that, that impacts in, in each individual's life, but also their family and also the community as a whole. Uh, many, many, many investigations and, and research have uh, pointed that uh, teenage pregnancies and on desired pregnancies are one of the key 
causes of multidimensional poverty, but we haven't been able to work on that as we should, at least in Colombia. And what is the responsibility of schools and the education sector? My other concern is in the institution and the in the educational institutions and is the the lack of formation and and, and skills and, and education on gender on uh, sexual reproductive health on sexual and reproductive rights and on human rights as a general topic and a uh, most educational institutions and schools a uh, public and even private as well. They're covered with, with stereotypes and with, with the same myths and the same beliefs and the same judgmental um, conducts around sexuality that are very, very, very much violent. Um, and on the other hand, there's a political, a big political issue around sexual education. And, and around uh, gender equality and uh, around uh, touching and talking about things that, that might get some people uncomfortable and might change the status quo. Well, there is a huge, um, huge wave and force that does not like for, for girls to have self-determination and to advocate for their rights and to change the things the way they are, to speak up. And, and that even makes our job and my job in Poderos has to be risky. And, and it risks my life uh, because there are some powerful groups that do not like uh, for girls to know their rights. I think that that barrier that you're discussing is sort of the heart of the problem. So how would you describe that? What is it that actually keeps this from happening in the classroom and at schools? It is a lot of, of invisible barriers that I think are the most difficult to, to surpass uh, because, well, you cannot see them. <laughs> they are, they are, they are implicit. And, and I think there's a lot of religious things and there's a huge moral burden uh, around sexuality and and gender diversity and um, and talking about sexuality from a, a pleasure point of view and a, and a and a right uh, for all men and women and uh, talking about sexual desire and and not rejecting the fact that teenagers have sexuality and kids do as well uh, and uh, yeah there's a big religious barrier um, and the whole concept of of sin and punishment around it and guilt that that is very strong still and and that is true because many of the schools are operated and administrated and managed by religious organizations um, so that's that's hard, but there's also a lot of, of stereotypes, very much uh, embedded and instilled in the in our in our cultural way of being. In uh, there's a lot of machismo, a lot of machismo, uh, and questioning that is is as I was saying, it makes many people uncomfortable, and makes well 
disorganizes the 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 social organization <laughs> and that is not something many people like when you think about that that high level of discomfort um and but also you know how a lot of this is rooted in the things that we hold dear you know our faith our our beliefs the the things that um hold our social groups together. I mean, this is true for all of us, right? Um, and so it's always difficult to work in a space where that's what you're coming up against. And so it does make me wonder about the role of families and communities. How do you engage um, with parents and with communities around these issues at Porosas? Well, I have to tell you the story. When we started talking about the menstrual cup, with the with my students in Baru, and to 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 start to talk about their body and their rights and sexuality and all those things that they they never talked about, and at the beginning they said that they were not telling their parents or their mothers what we talked about. And I obviously asked for permission for the. Uh, for a sexual education space uh, with the mothers and they signed uh, an authorization and everything. But the girls, they, they, they told me, no, I cannot tell my mother that I am using the menstrual cup. I cannot tell uh, that we're talking about these things. And then time went by and they said, eh, teacher, we, we really want to, to talk about this with our mothers. We think that they that they don't know a lot of things. And, and I think they will be very happy if they learn this about their bodies and about our bodies and about uh, rights and everything. What can we do? And I said, well, uh, let's invite them uh, to one of our circles. And they got all nervous and, and they said, no, they will not come. Uh, uh, let's, why don't we invent uh, a... <laughs> uh, Love and Friendship Day. We 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 celebrate that on September in in Colombia, and it's a day like Valentine's Day, for example. Uh, and we we tell them that we're going to celebrate with the poderosas, and that we want the moms and the mothers to come, or the grandmothers for some of them. So they get here, and once they're there, you start talking, teacher. <laughs> And, it, and, and we teach them what we have learned. And that's how it went. And we invited the, the, the mothers and the grandmothers. And once they got there, and we started, I started leading a workshop for them to, to break the ice with their, with their daughters and talk about those things that, that uh, are very difficult to talk about. And, and the mothers were so amazed and it was about two to three hours and talking about their, their virginity and talking about uh, menstruation and talking about their bodies and it allowed a, a conversation that was so unprobable, unlikely to happen. And the, well, the mothers hugged me and said, this is so important, thank you so much. And, and they called themselves the, the, the Madres Poderosas. <laughs> And since then, it's part of our curriculum or our educational proposal, and it and it involves the mothers. Mm. I love that story. Absolutely love it. Um, and it does make me think about 
resistance to this type of work. Um, I think certainly, and you spoke about this earlier, you know, not coming in with judgment um, and ensuring that people know that you respect their beliefs, you respect their culture is the starting point. Um, and then you're able to, to bring people in and create spaces like what you just described, where you know, the mothers are going through their own discovery in this space. It's really wonderful to hear. And so I'm curious about where you do encounter resistance, um, whether that's from any of the girls or their family members, um, or more broadly, um, in light of this other example where just by creating the space, that resistance fades away. Um, it's, there's a really interesting juxtaposition there of how people respond to this type of work. At the beginning, when we started talking about the menstrual cup and I showed the my students the menstrual cup, for, for those who don't know what it is, it is a, um, a small silicon cup that you introduce in the vagina to gather the, the menstrual fluid and you you take it off and and then you put it again and it's it's an amazing product for for menstrual self care because a one menstrual cup can can last for ten years and it it's very environmentally friendly and it's very good for your for your health because it has no no chemicals and no nothing. Um, it's really revolutionary. So the the two mothers came to my house, and they and they asked me why I was showing, and I was teaching their girls to touch themselves, because for you to use the 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 menstrual cup, you have to introduce it into your your vagina. So you have to introduce your your fingers in your vagina, um, which is something we should all learn to do. It's part of our body you know it's like washing your teeth and 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 knowing how your mouth is inside it's the same um and i remember uh, answering them and tell, telling them well if they do not touch their body and learn about their body and 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 comprehend it uh, as it works somebody else will do it and they will not know how to respond to that or how to take care of that because you cannot take care of something you do not know. Well, they were a, a bit resistant to that, but they, but they then learned how, how their girls loved so much the menstrual cup that then they came back to me and asked for, for me to give them the menstrual cup, for example. And a, I remember another resistance uh, that we had was a, uh, a principal, a school's principal that was a, a bit concerned that we were going to teach the girls how to hate boys <laughs> and that they will not be as um, obedient as they used to be if they learned so many things. Well, to that resistance, I we did nothing. <laughs> that is exactly what we want. We want them to be less obedient and to question it all. I love that. Yep. The this this idea of obedience and um, I think it's a you know it's connected to ideas around 
modesty and um, purity and just the role that people think that girls should have in society. Um, so interesting. And do you ever in your work um, bring boys into some of these conversations? And do you feel that, that there is a need to do so? That's an excellent question. I, I love it, uh, Sam. Teaching girls to know their body and to advocate for their rights and to, to speak up and to reject gender violence and to and to be their own uh, their own sexuality uh, uh, to live their own sexuality freely and informed is a huge huge task uh, but it is incomplete if we do not bring the boys into this conversation and a uh, our uh, bet and what I what I've, we've been working on is on poderosos and in circles of men and and allowing men to have a space as well to talk to talk about their emotions to deconstruct um, what masculinity has constructed uh, and the violence that it means uh, for them and how machismo uh, is, is not really only a place of privilege for men, but a place of oppression and how they have also been victims of these stereotypes and how they can free themselves from that and how to, to give another meaning to being powerful and, and to power as a whole. And it is very easy to sell or to enchant uh, around girls' education and girls' empowerment. And it's not that easy to, to sell why it is important also to empower men, because empowerment is not synonym of violence. Empowerment is not a synonym of oppression. And if we give another meaning to powerful men, we might uh, be able to change what we believe is being powerful and and well i think that's a, a a way to equality one of the things that i find myself talking to people about a lot is understanding that um changing men's perception and boys perception of masculinity is an essential part of girls education um it serves girls for boys and men to think about their identities in a different way. Um, and, and like you said, around power, around violence, around all of that, um, in doing that, it helps liberate themselves and then is also a key part of ensuring the safety and liberation of girls as well. So I appreciate your response to that and the work that you're doing on that piece as well. Thinking about empowering girls with this type of information um once she has you know sort of made her own decisions around her sexuality and her reproductive future how then do girls go about communicating that to partners and to family members um, in spaces where perhaps people are not used to girls being able to you know 
be so deliberate about their own choices and how they want to live their lives, really. I mean, you think about your reproductive future being such a huge part of your life. How do you how do you support girls to be able to do that um, with other other people in their lives? Once they start questioning everything and once they start being able well having their power of decision eh, reinforced and, and determined, they crash. <laughs> they crash eh, with their families and they crash with their with with the community and with society and it's inevitable. But eh, part of what we do is being able to construct a network within them eh, that support them and um, their 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 support is the group itself so they are not alone they are a group of poderosas and 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 as a group they are able to 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 find shelter and we continuously tell them this is inevitably a challenging path to go but there's a a delight in that as well and they start questioning everything and there's no way back for example i remember working with women older women after two workshops and two encounters with them they i remember one of them telling them i feel that i am using my body for the first time there's a difficulty when we talk about human rights and when we talk about um, empowerment and is that empowerment is needed in the structure of society not only in the individuals but also in the schools in the colleges in the workplaces in the in the streets but if we don't start with the individuals then we won't ever be able to change it all yeah wow what a powerful response. Um, and I just couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Um, so, you know, given all that you have been doing and all that you have learned about what information really makes a difference for girls, um, what do you think that just all kids really need to know, you know, to have safe um, sexual and reproductive health options um, and to be recognized in their various identities so that they can make the best choices for themselves. What, what, does, what does every child really have the right to know about sexual and reproductive health? If there is something you cannot talk about, if there is something that is censored, talk about that. <laughs> There's a problem with censoring things and not allowing things to be talked about. Uh, sexuality, uh, violence, the, the body, uh, mental health. If we recognize and identify that there's anything that cannot be talked about, pay attention to that and talk about that. I think it is respecting and advocating for the power of decision of every individual and uh, being able to teach, to, to reinforce that power of decision and that power of decision uh, over your body, over your identity, over your sexuality, over your life. And that uh, you have that power, but that power is conditioned and limited if you don't have enough information 
education gives us that freedom. The more, the more knowledge and the more we question everything, the more freedom we have. This is incredible, Mariana. Looking ahead and thinking about your impact to date, what do you want to happen with Poderosas? Poderosas has impacted in three years 1,500 young men and women in 21 different municipalities of Colombia in different communities. And uh, we have formed around 35 to 40 uh, mentors of, of our women and men circles. And we want to be the biggest organization of comprehensive sexual education in Colombia and be able to reach uh, at least 30 of, of our departments in Colombia and get to uh, at least the end of this 2021 year to um, 2,000 to 3,000 young men and women having a reinforced power of decision uh, based on their sexual and reproductive rights. Mariana, this conversation has been so incredible. I am just blown away by your work um, and always, as always, just really inspired by what happens when you bring people together and provide a safe space for people to talk about what goes unsaid. And I, I think that your emphasis on bringing to light the things that we don't talk about and making sure that people know that that's, that's the space where we have to have the conversations. It's just such um, essential work. So I, I wish you the best and just thank you so much for making time to join us today to talk about all of this. Thank you, Samantha, for opening this space. Thank you very much. You can learn much more about Mariana by looking at the bio and links below. Mariana also recommends that any young people seeking safe and accurate information on sexual health visit PlannedParenthood.org for a wealth of information. And remember, you can always reach us at TeachForAll.org girls and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Take care. <laughs>